Hello, everybody, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Witty Writers Show. I am Beth Wearsdale, author, and I am here with the fabulous Paul Rushworth Brown. Hello, Paul. Hi, Beth. How are you going? I'm doing great. I, I've been really excited to be interviewing you, Paul, because, oh my gosh, you've had quite a, a journey personally and as a writer, um, which I find absolutely fascinating. And I just want to give people a bit of a, a rough idea because you write historical fiction, but you actually got into it through researching your own family. So let, let's just go back and find out what actually sparked your interest and why you actually began diving into your family history and how it actually then went on to you writing your first novel. Okay, well, probably about five years ago, um, I uh, my, my fa father never really knew much about his his you know his roots and where he came from, and um, the, the only thing he knew was that he had some sort of like cousins or relatives, uh, distant relatives that, that uh, lived around uh, Denham. And um, when he passed away, I got a lot of his old photographs and all that type of thing. And I, and for me personally, it was quite um, annoying not having any idea about where your roots were from so i spent about six months locked away in my office um basically just writing a uh, a family history more for my children than anybody because you know if anything happened to me they'd never know yeah so i spent about six months i rode away to keithley library i uh, you know got got involved on ancestry.com and I ended up writing a um, a 400-page A4 book about tracing my my family right back to 1590 wow. to a to, to a very uh, small town in in Yorkshire that that you'd know of uh, or everybody would probably know of called Howarth because that's sort of like where the Brontes were were were, yes. were brought up. And uh, my family had been living there since 1590, as it turns out, and the first person to move away from Howarth was uh, my great-grandfather, um, uh, James Rushworth, the first, and he moved away to Denham in, in the mid-1800s with his wife and his, his uh, nine children uh, to Denham because he was a, a, a carpenter. Oh, my Anyway, um, so that happened. I only got sort of like five copies printed off, gave one to each of my children. I kept one. Um, sent one one to my sister, um, and then uh, th th as far as I, I was concerned, that was it. You know, all, all over. I'd done my job, um, <laughs> and then about uh, or probably about three years later, <clears throat> I thought oh, I might. I've always sort of wanted to, you know, after sort of like knowing that my great grandfather times ten um, was a copy holder on um, on the Moors of Rushworth back in fifteen ninety. I thought, you know, who was this man? You know, what was his life like? You know, who were his children and all that type of thing? You know, what was his day-to-day -day life? And so I thought I might take this uh, a step further and actually try and fictionalise and research what life may have been like for him back then. And I actually found a uh, court manor roll with his name on it. So I... I I even know sort of the area of, of uh, sort of like Howarth, where where his house was, um, what what his life, a research 
very, very heavily into you know what his life may have been like as a as a copyholder. I mean, we're, we're talking about uh, almost going back to the feudal system, and um, and that's basically the birth of skullduggery. That's absolutely amazing. Now, now, what does being a copyholder mean and entail? Okay, so all the land around how that time was um, was owned by uh, the Lord of the Manor, and his name was um, Lord Burkhead Esquire. Ooh. And um, what what he used to do, what they do back then is uh, the, the common people or the peasants would like. Um, basically just tenant part of his land and they were sort of like between seven and ten acre plots and they'd have their vegetable guard they'd have their crops but in return they'd actually have to work for lord burkhead usually about three days a week just to, to like at, in in response to them sort of like um having that seven to ten acres yeah and the, what the reason they were called copy holders was because when they went to manor court they'd have to sign a piece of paper um, obviously they were illiterate, so it was just the next. Um, and they would keep that copy hold, and obviously their their name would sort of like go into his ledger. So that's why they were called copy holders. Wow. See, you learn something new every day. I'm glad I asked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could have, I've got to be honest, I could have Googled it, but I thought yeah. with the research you've done, you'd be able to just tell us straight yeah. off. <laughs> We've already got people joining us, so I'm going to pop them up so they can say hello. Uh, we've got Josephine. She's joined us from the UK. She says good evening. Hello, Josephine. We've also got Heather. Uh, she says hi to you both from Gemma and I. And Gemma is a little girl that you can see in the picture. She is as cute as a button. She hi, really Heather. Uh, we've got Pamela, who's joined us. She's one of our members from our Write Better Author Smarter group. Hello, Pamela. Um, prolific writer she is. Um, and we've also got my partner in crime. I say that with a big smile. Autumn Bardot, she says, hello, Paul. And as you know, um, Autumn writes historical fiction as well. Hi, Autumn. We've also got Cindy. Hi, Cindy. She says, hey, all, good afternoon from California. Well, hello, darling. I don't know whether it's sunny at your end, but it's a bit cloudy at mine. But uh, welcome, yeah, everybody. Um, if you do have any questions for Paul, please put them in the comments and I will shoot him the, your questions so you get answered. Um, do you know, it's, a, it's amazing, isn't it? When you look back at, you know, your your family history. I didn't actually know much about my family history. And then my mum actually reconnected with an aunt and all of a sudden I was receiving all these photographs in black and white from, you know, the early 1900s and everything. And I was blown away. I got to see mm. an image of my grandfather when he was a child with yeah. only one leg because he got hit by a car. And obviously in them days, you know, that's it. You had to get chopped off, unfortunately. Yeah. It blows your mind. But you've learned so much, haven't you? Not just about your own family, but about those time periods. Um, and I interesting because I was reading lots about you. And it was saying that the life expectancy of an adult was 35 years old and the life expectancy of a child on average was like six. Yeah. And I think it's amazing, isn't it? I think people forget how hard those times were because mm. we didn't have modern antibiotics. We didn't have the surgical skills or the knowledge. Um, 
What do you think are the most shocking things you discovered about that time period? With regard to sort of like longevity and that and, and that type of thing. In in life in general and how hard it was. I mean, interestingly enough, um, Howarth was uh, so like in the uh, in the eighteen hundreds was um, was supposed to be like one of the dirtiest places in England. Um, and I, I don't know if you've been to Howarth, but it's actually on a um, on it's built on a hill, right? And the, uh, the square is actually at the top of the uh, the top of the hill, but and um, going down Main Street, which is obviously um, the main street in health um there was all these uh sort of like tenement buildings and crook houses and that going down the hill right the thing was that the cemetery in health was at the top and a lot of the um and i know this because there was a major report written by babbage about the sort of like the the uh, the living conditions of, of a lot of the people in how back, back at that at that time the problem was that um, a lot of the in the cemetery, a lot of the graves were the the um, the, the stones were actually um, laid down on top of the grave. Oh wow! Which which stopped apparently stopped um, uh, oxygen from getting in and decomposing the body. So what unfortunately what used to happen was that when there was like a heavy rain, as it does rain a lot up there, the runoff would run through the cemetery and then go into sort of like um, the basements where people lived down, yeah. down the hill. And of course there was a slaughterhouse um, in one of the basements up there and that the runoff from that would run down. So people were basically, you know, um, living in, in uh, basement tenement houses um, with all sorts of things running, you know, running into their homes. Oh my um, God! And that was that was quite you know reading about that. I've actually got the uh, the report here, the Babbage report. That is there. amazing. And um, you know they they had something like um, obviously this is a lot later than the time of uh, Skullduggery, but um, you know they had something like you know one privy to sixty five families. Oh like my gosh! Yeah. That is so, mind blowing. I tell you, it just makes you realise how lucky we are in this era, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, so I mean, you you wrote, you discovered and wrote down all this information about your own family and everything. So, tell us about school doggery. And I mean, is it about your family? Is it based on your family? How did it all uh, come about? Well. There's a little bit of poetic license in there. Obviously, um, the main character, Thomas Rushworth, is actually um, based a character based on my great grandfather times ten, right? And but it's not a uh, it's it's not a um, uh, it, it's it's fictionalized, right? So what I've done is I've taken the setting of 17th century, a person or a family living on the moors of Yorkshire in the 17th century, and I fictionalize it, but is very very historically accurate yeah um so it, it basically follows his his and his family's um life back then in the time of the english reformation uh queen Bess has died um 
and these people living through you know a time when when uh, you know the the monarchy is saying no you you cannot be a catholic you must be a, a protestant yeah. right but there, there there are sort of like um issues with that in the book that i don't want to get too far in and spoil it but um you know there's a lot there's a love story um there's that's like um i suppose um love story between two people that probably shouldn't be together because of their religion but anyway i'm, I'm not going to say too much more about that because i don't want to spoil it but anyway <laughs> the, the the uh the story takes place or so like um that's sort of like the the i suppose the the story really takes off when thomas rushworth and his mother are coming back from the king's arms which is the the tavern there in health he's just uh, his father's died from consumption so he's he's actually the man of the house now wow right? he's got a brother william and his is him and his mother go to the the manor court which is held in the in the king's arms to sign the copy hold and on his way back <clears throat> on their property or close to their property they find a, what they think is a dead body. Oh my gosh! And um, it turns out to be uh, um, a recusant, recusant Catholic. Anyway, they take him home. They look after him. It, it, it turns into a bit of a mystery, a bit of a love story, a bit of a who done it. You know what happened to this guy? Um, and um, as I say, it's all very, very historically accurate for the time um you learn about what a what what a jack is you know um this uh, obviously the old english that did a lot of research in, into the old english terms and that type of thing um and it's very very it's very very colorful I, my my style of writing is very descriptive um um and uh yeah it's been released by picked up by shoreline and released which i'm very very pleased about I'm not surprised. I was reading your reviews earlier and, and th there were a number of things that people absolutely loved about your book. Um, one was the fact that, as you said, it's historically accurate. And, you know, you can tell that you've done so much research for your book. Um, and one of the other things was that it, it was very real. Your story was very real for that time period, the way people spoke, the way they acted, you know, what was expected of them, the, the, the different classes. Just absolutely amazing and, and well done. I mean, it's just absolutely fantastic. Thanks, yes. It Thanks. really, really was. And do you know, I just wanted to say as well, because you mentioned that your, your grandfather um, had nine children. Just to let people know who, you know, don't know, England very well um that was very common at, yeah. in that time period to have so many children um yeah. one because obviously birth control wasn't really a thing <laughs> um yeah. and two because life expectancy of children was so dodgy mm -hmm. people were encouraged to have more children because then you know if you lost half of them you'd still have a decent brood um mm. and that was a real thing back then but mm. funnily enough my mum i tell you this because it, it still makes me chuckle now my mum um lived in yorkshire she actually went to the same um grammar school as margaret thatcher interestingly enough 
And um, they had a family down the road and everybody in the village used to call them the Daz family because they had 13 children. And on bath night, which was like once a week in them days, um, the kids would literally stand on one step each waiting for the bathroom and the mum would actually wash the kids in Daz washing powder for laundry. Yes. So, so the kids were called the Daz kids. And, and they, my grandma and other, obviously, you know, older generation used to say that the kids were whiter than white because that's what the commercial was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. But it's, it's truly amazing, honestly, what you've achieved um, just from starting to look at your family history and then to end up writing one novel, which is already out there, which the links are all in the description, everybody. Um, but you've also got coming up um, a journey in a red winter. Yeah. Which is due um, to come out. Yeah, it's, that'll be out in the new year. That is absolutely amazing. So tell us a bit about that one as well. Okay, so that's sort of like, uh, it, it, it's, it's almost like, this, well, it is the next generation. And it, uh, it takes place in the time of the English Civil War. And um, it follows Tommy's son, or sorry, Thomas Rusworth's son. Oh, fantastic. His name's Tommy. <clears throat> and um, once again, it's a bit of a love story, a bit of, but it's more an, it's, it's like an adventure. Um, but it, it, it's, I suppose one of the reasons, because I changed it, I changed the title. And one of the reasons I, is I changed, one of the reasons I changed the title was because it's a journey, right? It's a journey um, of uh, Tommy Rushworth because he gets absconded into the parliamentary ar army. Which was common and, in those days. Yeah, and um, it's, it's a journey of uh, Thomas Rushworth and uh, Tommy's grandfather, John Hargreaves, who actually um, leave Howth and traips off into... into uh, Areas like Bradford and and Keithley to try and find their son, um, and once again a lot of research. Um, you know, I, I've I, I've found that um, you know, I mean, the English Civil War was such a. I mean, it changed England and and democracy forever. Yeah, and there's very, very little. There's very few movies about. It. I think there was like one or two movies written about it, but not much. Not many people know about what actually happened then. No, you know, and, more... Sorry, and you don't really get taught a lot about it at school either. No, no. no I can't remember more... hardly anything about that era. You know, from my school days, which was a long it... time ago. <laughs> <laughs> and it changed politics. It changed. Yeah. The monarchy, um, the, the king was beheaded. Yeah, you know, um, it changed democracy, but but um, but also, um, you know, like imagine what what it would have been like. I mean, more people died in the uh, in the English Civil War than than all the people in both the First World War and the Second World War World War put together. Wow, it's I incredible. did not know that. Yeah, and a lot of that was through disease. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so anyway, it follows uh, uh, Tommy, Tommy Rushworth um, through the uh, th th and things like through the Battle of Bradford, 
is an integral part of of the well I'm making it sound like it's a it, it, it's a it's a novel about war, but it's not. It's more about sort of people using yeah. sort of like the English Civil War as the background. But so, but it's about um, uh, there's a you know the love story between uh, between uh, William, Tommy's brother, and, uh, and and Lucy, who who used to be a a, a, a character that worked at the local tavern, and she ends up turning out to be not the person that people think she is. And there's sort of like a, uh, the, the, the steward of the manor of health manor. Um, he makes it very, very difficult for them to be, be together. Um, there's, there's a twists and turns in it because that's one of my favorite things to do. Um, yeah. people on their so toes. Every, every single novel I write, you think, Oh, right. Okay. I, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> um, and you know, it's uh, it, if people have told me that that uh, who have sort of like read the read the uh, the second edition, you think you always sort of like think, oh, is he going to get home? Is he going to get home? You know, is Thomas and John going to find him? You know, oh, what's going to what's going to happen to Tommy in this situation? You know, with the uh, with the with the royalist army sort of like um, encroaching their encampment and that type of thing. And um, once again, it's uh, it's very historically accurate. Yeah. Um, did a lot of research into, you know, uh, um, some of the, uh, I suppose, without giving too much away, some of the sad points of, of the English or that, that time period. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm quite excited about it. I'm excited too. I'm sure your readers are excited as well. As I said, you've got some avid readers who love the fact that you've put so much, you know, time and effort into into you know researching everything and and being so accurate with, you know, with your story. What was it like looking back at the dialect in that time period? Because obviously, you know. A Yorkshire accent, for those of you who don't know, Yorkshire accent is actually very strong. And and back then, it was even more so because, yeah. as you said earlier, people, you know, if you were below a certain class, you didn't have an education, you just worked. The moment yeah. you start walking and being able to list stuff, you were working. Yeah. How was that for you? Because you incorporated a lot of the dialect into your story as well, didn't you? Yeah. You know, when I first wrote uh, Skullduggery, um, and once it was picked up by Shoreline, I went back and I had to re-edit Skullduggery because um, um, there was it, there was too much there was too much old English language in there, and I wanted it to be sort of like uh, true to life. I wanted it to be as accurate and as um, uh, authentic. Uh, yeah, authentic. Yeah, it's yeah. a better word. Um, and uh, once Shoreline picked it up, I had to think about it, and I thought, "Well, hold on a minute. Who are you writing? Who are you writing for?" Right. So I actually went back into Skullduggery and I actually changed a lot of the old, old Yorkshire dialect and uh, made it um, more readable, that it easier to read, yeah. and um, yeah. But uh, like some of the old English words, um, you know, like uh, "shiv," which is a knife, or um, <laughs> Or uh, what's, what's some other? Um, I can't remember now. Um, 
so so those sort of like authentic words are there but i've taken out a lot of the sort of like uh slang or not slang but sort of like um dialect to make it easier to read yeah and, and pronunciation as well which is yeah. key isn't it because they the way they talk they roll their tongue and use their tongue in completely different ways to a lot of other yeah. so but trying yeah. to incorporate that on paper yeah. is truly yeah. truly hard i i think you did the right thing to be honest with you because i think as a writer myself you have to be quite careful don't you as to yeah how much you change your verbiage but still keeping the story flowing and yeah. it's very very hard balance I'm, i must admit um yeah. i think we've got some questions here so i'm going to pop them up let's have a look oh james has joined us hello james he says it always amazes me that young people look so old back then do you know what i agree with you james but i think you might agree with this paul i think People weren't, they didn't have a, a fully round nutritional diet, which mm. didn't help. So they didn't get, you know, oranges and lemons and citrus fruits weren't readily available. It was, you know, people ate what they could get and what was in season. And two, they were just very weathered, weren't they? Because, you know, yeah. a lot of the, especially the, you know, the, the lowly people, because they were doing very physical jobs in the sun, rain, snow, they would literally be working in all weathers, wouldn't they? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I went to, um, I, I was in health, obviously doing doing uh, research for the novel um, well, a couple of years ago now, a few years ago now. And uh, we, we did a hike up to uh, Withens, which is like a, a very old um, sort of like cottage way up in the moors. And this was summer. This was yeah. summer. And, and Obviously, coming from Australia, we absolutely froze. I mean, the, the, the winds were like coming across those moors in the middle of summer was just unbelievable. Imagine being there in winter. It chills you to your bones. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and also, I, I suppose, um, getting back to James's comment, yeah, look, um, I mean, thinking when you think that the, the, the average life expectancy was 35, um, you know, I mean, uh people were getting married at 17 yeah 18 right and um Tom, thomas rushworth in skull in skullduggery is around about that age and you know he, he's sort of like uh fending for his family he's um he's you know they're working their their, their crops you know 16 hour days um so you know they had to grow up quickly yeah, it was a very, very hard life back then. It really was. And, of course, you know, for, for men and women, because you didn't have, you know, you didn't have the agricultural technology like you have nowadays. Everything was horse-drawn or you pulled yourself. So constant stress on your body. Um, yeah. And obviously then, you know, women were having six-plus children. I mean, that they were having big families. So, yeah. and, and obviously, you know, there wasn't washing machines and microwaves and dishwashers and, and stuff like that. So you was doing everything yourself. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I suppose um, one of the uh, one of the points that does actually come out in the novel is that um, women, back then women were tough. They had to be tough. Yeah. But also they were, they were, they were considered uh, a lower class of person. Yeah. Unfortunately. And, you know, that, 
there was actually something called a ducking stool. I've never right? heard of that before. And in Howarth, there's actually a uh, um, uh, it's a lane called Ducking Stool Lane. So the ducking stool was where they put women um, if they were cheeky or if they mouthed off, they would take them to this ducking stool that usually sat over a pond. They'd tie them up in the stool and then lift the, the um, you know, the stool was sort of like um, attached to a, a, a beam and they'd lift the beam up over the pond and then drop the, the stool in, into the water. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would have been there permanently, Paul. <laughs> So, I would have been I mean, a permanent resident. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think back to, to you know, so the, the life of women back then was just, um, you know, incredible. It's tough, isn't it? Sorry, I'm trying. I've got a lozenge, everybody, because I've got a bit of a sore throat. And my lozenge got stuck up on my cheek. <laughs> so I was just trying to get it back down. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, life was tough back then. You know, I mean, I, my mum tells me stories of you know my grandma my great-grandma and they had it so hard they really really did honestly yeah. I would not have made it in that time but then again you know you're brought up differently you know children were brought up very differently back then and they were they they were brought up to know their roles weren't they yeah. so yeah. not only as male or female but their role of their class um yeah. so it was a very very different time period um, Cindy's got a question as well. Let's have a look. She says, Dear Paul, I would like to know if any of your characters were based on real life people and specific events. Good question, Cindy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, the, 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 the main characters in the novel are actually um, based on, on obviously my ancestors. Yes. So from a character development point of view um you know there's you know there's a little bit of me sort of like in those characters but um uh you know thomas rushworth you know he's sort of like the, the the sensible one his brother william is not so sensible he's a bit younger and a little bit more brash and uh, john hargreave john hargreaves uh his uh, um father-in-law is um you know is an old rogue uh, he's got, uh, you know, he's a drunk, but um, he's got quite a number of different, uh, I suppose, different level, levels to him. And he actually ends up uh, become, becoming the, the, the hero. So I suppose, I suppose even even John Hargreaves has, has uh, you know, a, a bit of me in him as well. Also, there's some very, very strong women. Yeah. Um, for instance, Tom, Thomas's uh, wife, Agnes, um, she's a very, very strong woman, as we've spoken about they had to be strong back then um and uh but based on real people um also like um probably more it's more more about those characters living in a real time yeah and, oh, and what yeah. about events did you include events that actually happened back then oh definitely yeah yeah definitely yeah mm -hmm. and uh you know um in uh um, Red Winter, um, I did a huge amount. I, I suppose the difference between Skullduggery and Red Winter is that Red Winter, I did a huge amount of research on 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 how 
what people were like back then. You know, so you know, I, I dug into old ballads and 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 sort of like descriptions of nobles about sort of like the lower lowest sort, um, and uh, tried to sort of like um, bring in more of the sort of like uh, manners and etiquette or lack of of uh, you know of of the lower sort just to make it more realistic. Um, but events, yeah, like. Um, especially in um, uh, Red Winter, events like the Battle of Bradford. And it's not one of those stories which is, um, you know, bloodthirsty or gory, um, but, you know, the Royalists actually actually came into Bradford to, to that cannon and they actually wanted to, um, to rip the town apart. Now, it's just a handful of Puritans um, who defended the uh, the town, and and it survived. You know, they they sort of like won the battle, um, which which is an amazing thing because they were outnumbered sort of like three to one, and they were you know bombarding the town with uh, with cannon, and there was a there was a Captain Hodgson, who who was a real captain who who was really there at the Battle of Bradford. Um, he actually uh, had wool sacks hung from the top of the church and he had his his um main marksman up in the up in the, the bell tower uh shooting at these royalists and protecting the church with these with these um uh wool sacks right and that actually occurred that's just amazing isn't it? you must was your mind not absolutely blown when you was researching all of this because you know as i said you know i didn't get taught hardly any of this when i was at school and yet i find it absolutely fascinating um you know i do you know what i hope you you get to write a screenplay of your books because you know it would be great to have movies made or a tv series about your books introducing people to our past our british past that would be that would be fantastic I mean, I think there's been like you know one major movie made of um, of the English Civil War, which is which is crazy when you think about it because it was such a such a an important part of our history of everybody's history. Well, completely right? And um, you know, um, and <laughs> that war was sorry that movie certainly didn't um, identify the the intricacies of 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 the time. So. You know, when delving into it and and researching what actually happened then, and even some of the atrocities that were caused by by both sides, you know, and even so sort of like some of the um, propaganda that was used by the the parliamentarians and the and the uh, the royalists, um, because the the way they actually had to win the war, but was by winning the 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 hearts of the people. Yeah. So. The, the, the propaganda that um, that was used, you know, they'd, have, they'd print pamphlets off. And on the front of these pamphlets, they knew, obviously they knew that a lot of people, were, well, most people were illiterate. And back then, we need to realise that, that 85% of people were peasants. Yeah. Who were illiterate, couldn't read, couldn't write. And so these pamphlets would be distributed through small towns and villages um, in, up in the north northwest. And the pamphlets would depict, you know, the king there with his uh, Catholic uh, uh, queen, 
um, he'd be on a horse with a pike with, uh, you know, a peasant um, mother on her knees and, you know, a small baby on the pike, you know, her baby on the pike. So it's just it's, crazy. That's the thing, isn't it? It just goes to show that marketing and imagery is was just as powerful back then as it is now. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. Um, oh, Sarah Louisa has just joined us. She says, I made it. Hi, Beth. Hello, Paul. Nice Hello. to see you, darling. Bless her. And Starla, the fabulous Starla. She says, yeah, I'm glad to tune in on time. You are <laughs> Hi, awesome. She is awesome. Um, and Robin has just joined us. And she says, do you live in the area you write about? No, definitely not. I, uh, I actually live in Sydney, Australia at the moment. Um, I was born in, in England. Um, and then uh, when I was about 10, moved to Canada, lived there for 10 years, went to, went to high school there, and then moved here when I was about 18. My father was actually, actually a, a Yorkshireman, as I, as I mentioned, and he moved out to Australia uh, in the mid-50s. But as I say, he didn't know much about his, his, uh, you know, his, his roots. So obviously that's, that, that was sort of like the beginning of, of, um, of skullduggery. That's just amazing. Now, obviously, you started writing about your history and investigating it because you wanted to share that history with your children, which I think is absolutely wonderful. I really do. What did your What did your kids think about all of this? You know, were their were their minds blown? Um, my little daughter, Haley, um, she is uh, she's just blown away. She just loves loves it. She just reads all the books. Um, she, uh, my my son and my eldest daughter, they they were a little bit older when I started all this, and they sort of like in in the early days they sort of like went, oh dad, yeah, okay, write your book, <laughs> we'll read it, we'll read a page, maybe two, if you're lucky, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and but. No, but now that 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 now that it's sort of like um, a real thing, um, they're very very positive and and uh, they're very excited for me and and obviously they love the idea that uh, the novels are actually based on their ancestors. Yeah. And so Haley is is really um, really into it. You know, she she's 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 read um, both Skullduggery and red winter um and yeah she's very they're also like very supportive and my wife claire you know she's she's my, my biggest biggest critic and uh, and biggest fan oh and that's the way it should be it absolutely should now you mentioned about you know looking through ancestry.com and everything did you find any long lost relatives that you've since you know got in touch with uh no no but it's interesting. Um, a couple of, or actually, one gentleman in particular, John Ackroyd from Health, he actually uh, read Skull Dugger and he contacted me. And he actually wrote something in in the uh, in the Kifley newspaper. Sent a letter in there, sort of like saying, "Oh, I've just written Skull Dugger. You know, love the story." Um, and I mean, that you can't beat that. Just nice. a stranger, and 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 actually, the the editor of uh, the Kingsley News actually sent me an email saying, "Oh, Paul, I think you should have a look at this letter." 
and so so he has Rushworths in in his um, in his ancestors somewhere. Um, so that was quite amazing. Isn't that, that crazy? I must admit, see, I did that ancestry DNA. I was curious, and my my children got me the you know the the tester thing from for Christmas one year. I thought I'll give it a go. Turns out I'm half Irish. I'm like, well, where the hell did the Irish come from? I'm yeah. Half Irish, and I've got no clue yeah. where the Irish bit has come from at all. <laughs> But at least I get to you know celebrate St Paddy's Day, and yeah. and you know and I can do it legitimately. Yeah. <laughs> so, what are your plans um, for future books? I mean, obviously, you know, you've got Journey into Red Winter coming out, uh, hopefully early next year. Um, are you working on a third book for that yeah. series? Or? Yeah, well, the 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 uh, the skeleton of it is already finished. It's called Dream of Courage. And it, um, it's actually sort of like the third generation. Fantastic. But it's, 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 um, it starts off in health, but uh, it, it, uh, it's, I mean, that, that was a time of uh, pirates. It was a time of uh, um, uh, witches. It was, you know, it was a time of, um, of, you know, it's like a, a, a growing sort of like middle class. And uh, so that's sort of like saying too much about it. It's, it, it, takes, it takes place more, um, not so much locally, it takes more, more around Leeds and, and, uh, and it, it delves like quite heavily into, into sort of like the wool trade and broggers who were sort of like, who became, who were sort of like middlemen and um, thief, uh, thief, Thief catchers who were sort of like uh, because there was no police force then. Oh, these were so like, they uh, just like, like volunteer police. Yeah, but the, usually they were more crooked than the criminals. <laughs> um, Doesn't surprise me somehow. <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 all about that. So um, I've spent so like the last uh, let's say four months going back over um, Red Winter. Um, and that's, well, I'd say that's uh, a pretty, pretty well can't do any more, more with that. So now I'll move on to Dream of Courage and start developing that a little bit more. And that'll probably be released the following year. Oh, my gosh. It's so exciting. And, and do you know what? You'll probably find, like I did, when you, when you released your first book, you know, your sales are, you know, as long as, I mean, you do lots of promotions. So, you know, your sales will be pretty great. When you bring out a second book, you see an uptake and then when you literally release the, the the final book in your series all of a sudden you just see this spike yeah um because people tend to want to read it when they know they can literally go from one to the other to the other um so i am super excited for you it's it's just it is awesome um, i mean I, I, think, I think also is that uh you know once you do start writing especially over a period of like three years you 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 learn so much as an author. Yeah. You know, I mean, when I, you know, I mean, I haven't read uh, Skull Dugry in you know, a couple of years. And actually, for this interview, I had to sort of like go back and, and sort of like uh, go through it again. So I wasn't only talking about, uh, you know, Winner of Red. Oh, sorry, <laughs> Red Winner. And um, you sort of like go back and you think, oh, did I write that? Oh, <laughs> I certainly, I certainly wouldn't have, wouldn't have put it that way. 
So, oh my god! <laughs> oh no! It, you know what? It's a journey, I, you, isn't it? You never stop learning, and I no. and I think that's a great thing. The the book industry is one of the few industries that literally just moves on leaps and bounds. You know the book writing, the most popular styles, what's trending, the book industry as a whole. It's just it's a constantly moving thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, so yeah, you just never stop learning. Yeah. Um, we've got Elizabeth, she's joined us. Hello, Elizabeth. She is awesome. Oh, Elizabeth. She says, Was there a time while you were researching your family history that you have been completely blown away by anything that has stuck with you or how your family traits are now? Ooh, good question. Um Oh, that is a good question, Elizabeth. isn't it? Um, <laughs> She's giving you a zinger. <laughs> I think, look, I think um, in every generation, there are times, there, there there are challenges, and I think that, and and you know, even you yourself, you know, obviously would have had had challenges in your life. The different challenges and the challenges that you have to face. So I think that the, the traits are, um, when I think of Thomas Rushworth back in the 17th century, I, I think of the challenges, I write about the challenges that, 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 that he has, has to face. And I suppose some of the challenges that I've had to face in my life um, and being able to deal with those, uh, those issues and the way you deal with them, I think that might be a trait that's sort of like carried down from from yeah. uh, sort of like one generation to another. Yeah. And ha having a little bit of resilience and, uh, you know, being able to bounce back from those challenges, which is obviously an integral part of skullduggery as well. That's just amazing. Isn't it? You're absolutely right. I mean, I think I'm very much like my mum, who actually is watching right now. Hello, mum. Love you. Um, Hello. And my grandma was a really strong woman as well. You know, I always remember her. I, I always remember her with a smile on her face. Nothing really phased her. And my mum's like that. She's just, she just yeah. deals with stuff. You know, she's absolutely amazing. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm her biggest fan, if you didn't realise that. Um, <laughs> now Cindy's got a question. She says, I'm curious how you kept track of the timelines. Writing software, question mark? No. Very good question. Now, this is a very good question for anybody who's into historical fiction because timelines are one of the major things, isn't it, <laughs> when you're writing historical fiction? So how did you manage to keep tabs on everything? Yeah, definitely not uh, – no software. I, don't, I just, use, um, just use Word yeah. um, and uh, a, um, a whole lot of imagination. And the time the timeline is actually actually based. Remember, I was telling you about the four hundred page book I wrote, which basically tra traces my ancestors. That's the timeline that I use. Wow! So, in other words, I, I can go to a chapter on Thomas Rushworth. The next chapter will be on Tommy Rushworth. The next chapter will be on William Rushworth. Wow! And so on. So that's sort of like how I. And, and there's ten books in me. Right, and um, hopefully I'm alive long enough to, um, to 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 write my story. 
Uh, uh, do you know what? I'm sure you will be. I'm sure you will be. It's it's just absolutely amazing, Paul. Honestly, it blows my mind how you've managed to create such amazing novels, you know, from doing, you know, your family history. I mean, that just blows my mind. And what a legacy as well. I mean, it's, when you think about it, you know, you, you've brought your ancestry back to life and, and, in, and in the present. Um, and that's a, no small feat whatsoever. I mean, that's just absolutely tremendous. And obviously now you, you've, you've got it there for your children and your grandchildren and future generations. I mean, that's, that's just amazing. Um, are there any other types of genres that you fancy exploring or do you think you're just going to stick with historical fiction and that's going to be your niche? Good question. Um, I think for now, historical fiction will, will be it because I because I just love it. Yeah. I mean, writing historical fiction is like an escape for me. I mean, it's like stepping back in time for me, and that's sort of like what what I hope my readers what they like about the novel. It, it's uh, it's like them stepping back in time, and uh, but another genre genre. Um, I think at the present time, no. But if I if I was to to uh, I suppose step into another genre, it would be um, maybe um, fantasy. Fantastic. Yeah. But that's not on the horizon at the present yeah. time. I, I do you know what I love the fact that you're so passionate about you know history in general. Um, and I'm not you, I love researching stuff. And I was researching for my books, I'd get lost. Because once you once you go down that Google rabbit hole and start, yeah. <laughs> start finding all this stuff out, because the more you find, the more it leads you in other directions where you have to go and discover this and discover that. And it's just a rabbit hole, isn't it? I, I, I yeah. absolutely loved it, I've got to tell you. I really, really did. Um, Robin's got a um comment look she says i love british and scottish history and found out things that blew me away when i found out my father's side was from london it, i tell you it just goes to show um an ancestry dna and stuff like that it's got a lot to answer for i'm sure <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's it's i mean the technology these days is just amazing you know you just sort of like take a swab and they can trace your, you know, with the markers from from your DNA, you know, trace your your lines all the way back, you know, to to, to Africa, basically. Yeah. Which is just incredible. It, it, it's funny you say that actually, because part of my DNA is from Cameroon. Right. Okay. And then, yeah. but you're right. It is absolutely amazing. Now, obviously, you know, your friends and family and everybody know that you've written, you know, school doggery, and you've got journey in red winter coming up and your third book as well have any of your friends or family been inspired to look into their own family history and see see what went on um a lot of them have said oh i'd love to do that um i, I got interviewed uh, by the bbc uh, a few months ago and the the interviewer um uh which is sanchez Payne, he he said oh Paul, you know, it was BBC Bradford. He said, oh, Paul, I've always wanted to do that. Um, and 
but people say people say oh yeah i'm, I'm definitely going to do that but then they don't yeah you know so i think that's the uh that's the crunch part it's, it's very easy to say yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna look into it and, and do all that but it's a huge amount of work it's a huge it, amount of work it I mean, really I is. To, to write that uh, 400 page book i mean i locked my way locked myself away for six months <laughs> and um and then the worst thing was i i spent two months of it researching the wrong family so i had to go back and start again oh no and the, the thing is because you know obviously in that era you know there wasn't the the name selection yeah. that that there is now you know i mean the yeah. population is so massive now and obviously you know you've had more people traveling in and out of the country there's you know a lot more name diversity but in those days there wasn't was there so i do you know what i can imagine that must have been so frustrating for you to get caught out unfortunately but yeah wow and the, the only what how i found out was that um you know i'd, I'd spent like two months researching it and then i started looking on the back of some old photos of my of my father and uh, that belonged to my father and he had some old photos you know dating back to sort of like um you know way way back and there was a uh, an uncle of mine that said uncle so robert and I said, hold on a minute. There's no Uncle Robert. As I like, went through the census records, who's Uncle Robert? <laughs> oh, my God. I you kicking yourself. Um, I've got to apologise, by the way, because my golden doodle's behind me and she started snoring quite loudly. Oh, <laughs> so it's not me. I'm not snorting or anything like that. It's, it's the dog. <laughs> but let me let me see the your actual book cover. I know I've got an image of it up up there somewhere. Um, there we go. It is absolutely beautiful. What a cover. Now, for everybody who's watching, if you would like a chance to win a copy of School Doggery, all you have to do is just share this interview um, and that will be your entry into winning a copy direct from Paul. Now, you can share it wherever you want, um, book clubs, um, book groups, wherever you like, but the more times you share Paul's interview, um, the more entries you will get. So share away, share away. Um, don't forget we will be uploading or we're, we're actually live on YouTube as well. Um, so you can share that one also if you want to enter the giveaway. Um, and don't forget to like and subscribe here, YouTube, and also all of my podcasts, which is which is getting there. I think I've got about seven on the go right now for the Witty Writers Show. So you can also listen to Paul while you're driving to work or, you know, at work, if you can get away with it, um, or just chilling out at home. So, yes. But, Paul, you've been absolutely amazing today. I could literally awesome. talk to you forever because it's just – your books are fascinating and you're so lovely to talk to. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Beth. Thank you very much. You are awesome. And thank you, everybody, for joining us. Don't forget to share so you can enter Paul's giveaway. And we will see you next time for the Witty Writer Show. So bye for now, everybody. See you, guys. Bye.